0: Black History Month and striving to bring more diverse backgrounds and perspectives to our industry. From the National Business Aviation Association, this is Flight Plan. I'm Rob Finfrock with your trusted source for the latest business aviation news and information. Throughout February, NBAA is celebrating Black History Month by honoring the contributions of African Americans to business aviation and our country's greater aviation legacy. Today, I'm pleased to welcome three individuals who each came to work in the industry in rather interesting ways and who now are working to ensure similar opportunities are available to anyone seeking their career and their place in business aviation. We'll begin with Tanya Austin, Operations and Safety Manager for the Red Tail Flight Academy.
1: I initially started traveling when I was 18 years old. Once I started traveling, I I would frequent the airport and just randomly an employee at an airline asked me if I would consider being crew. And I asked her what crew was and once she explained it to me, I immediately applied to become a flight attendant and that's where all of this started. I initially flew Delta Mainline as a flight attendant and would eventually start working at an FBO to support my own flight training.
0: For Tracy Carwile, Vice President of Global Sales and Inclusion for GGT WorldWise, her path into aviation started by helping out a friend i was actually in nursing school and
2: working at a local hospital downtown and a friend of mine asked me you know to repay a favor that i owed her and she was a receptionist on and off for uh, the universal weather and aviation for several years while she was going through school and found her dream job. And, you know, I like to pay my debts, So I took on a second job for just two weeks as a receptionist for her. And as uh, you know, the saying goes, the rest is history. So I started as a receptionist and worked my way up for
0: over 15 years on the business aviation side at Universal. My third guest today is Eric Wilson, who saw a television news report that inspired him to leave his data entry job to pursue an aviation career, and that led him toward his role today as an international captain for the Coca-Cola company.
3: I came back home from work one night, I saw a Coast Guard rescue on the news, and the next day I ended up calling a recruiter, and he gave me a eight-year plan of going to the Coast Guard Academy, doing a two-year sea tour, and then two years at flight school to get wings and and to actually start flying. So it took me a little bit longer than eight years, but I enlisted in the Coast Guard first. I went to the Coast Guard Academy. I was a uh, honors graduate in 2003. I did my sea tour aboard the Coast Guard Cutter Willow in Newport, Rhode Island. I did not go to flight school immediately after that tour, but I was assigned to the diversity, equity, and inclusion staff at Coast Guard headquarters. I did that for two years, and then I finally went to flight school. In flight school at the time, we had a huge push for fixed-wing officers. And amongst the Coasties, and I'm pretty sure everybody could relate to this, we had a little saying that uh, if you got fixed-wing, you were going so others may hover. But I was a fixed winger and proud of it, and uh, I ended up flying the Falcon 20, the Casa 235, and the G5 and G550 in the Coast Guard.
0: Eric, as you considered a possible career in business aviation, were there any aspects to that you found daunting?
3: The jump was scary just because the service had taken care of so many things for me. I I mean, I, I have been in the Coast Guard since I was 18, and I had flown Gold Streams for the Coast Guard for 10 years. With the 550, you know, uh, being the newest aircraft that I was flying. But I was going to Flight Safety International. I had been a master aviator in the 550, and that was through the service. So for me, it was like, well, hey, you have all this training you're doing the exact same things that these corporate and business guys are doing you're just doing it under a military hat as a matter of fact you're going to almost some of the same destinations so you know you're still getting this international experience this large cabin experience and i bet you the schedule is pretty much the same as what you're doing now and uh, that is what sold my wife and sold the family on it was hey y'all we can get a job in business aviation. And essentially, we're doing the exact same thing we're doing in the service. We're just free of moves. We don't have to be moved anymore. So that was some of the things that kind of sort of calmed us down about it. And one of the things I I love about working for Coca-Cola now is Coca-Cola just recently celebrated 70 years of its executive aviation and travel team. I am used to certainty insure bets from the service. And Coca-Cola was the easiest thing that I could do, convincing my family that it is the right thing to do for us to take this next step.
0: Tanya, what concerns did you have about leaving the airlines for entering general aviation, and how did you overcome them?
1: One of the concerns, just working at an FBO, uh, seeing nobody that really looked like me, there was the lack of diversity. Also, there's the cost of pilot training. That was a major concern, and then there's always, will I really understand and comprehend these concepts? Those were my major concerns. So what I would eventually do, I I just went into my savings and said, if you really wanna do this, then you're just gonna have to you know, work with what you have. The lack of diversity, I just decided that once I got to where I was trying to be, then I will try to introduce as many people of color to this this industry that I could, so that's the only way I could overcome that. And the comprehension is just studying and learning, being in the airport environment, uh, taking on mentors. Those are some of the ways I overcame the issues and concerns that I had.
0: Tracy, how about
2: you? The first concern I had was, is this the place for me? Luckily, it was close to my physical home at the time, so it made um, you know juggling my schedule a little bit easier. But as someone without a lot of resources in um, their background and also paid for school and um, my career and you know, helping other family members as well, being a caregiver at such a young age in my early 20s, which is not uncommon for a lot of my community. It really was, is this the place where looking at what Eric said, longevity, right? Is this somewhere where I think I could be for a while? So my main concern was that, but also as being someone so young, I started when I was 20, the... Gap in knowledge was really glaring as a non flying professional, someone that didn't have an aviation background, but had all the tools of someone eager and willing to learn. That was my concern. Would this be a place that would allow me the opportunity? To work hard and get to where you need to go in real time, right? Not someone that's already finished their degree, but someone that's willing to allow you to grow in your professional career and be value to the organization.
0: Coming up, how our guests are helping encourage others to pursue opportunities in business aviation and how all of us can help in those efforts. But first, a message from NBAA.
3: NBAA Flight Plan listeners, your podcast is ready everywhere. You can download it from iTunes, ask your smart speaker to give you a listen, or hear it in any car with Apple's CarPlay. NBAA Flight Plan, available anytime, anywhere.
0: We're back now with Tanya Austin, Tracy Carwile, and Eric Wilson, and our conversation about bringing people of all backgrounds into aviation as we celebrate Black History Month. Tracy, like many others, you had to change jobs during the COVID-19 pandemic, and I think that forced all of us to reevaluate our career directions and goals. What was that process like for you, and how did it affect where you saw yourself in, say, five or ten years down the road?
2: That is a great question. I think that's also something that's unique about business aviation that different from other, you know, the airlines or other jobs, I find some of these young students that are like, I want to work for this airline. This is, this is the path that I take. And I think one of the unique things about business aviation is that you get the opportunity to craft your own career, which is what I've been able to do. So I'm not sure as a sales professional, um, I get to do a lot of different things and touch different parts of the industry. My background is security and corporate risk mitigation. So I do do that in addition to my daily job. So I think looking at the future as the world continues to change that I could possibly get back into risk mitigation. But what I'm doing now is kind of a subset of that, which is great in opposed to other people in the industry, what I'm passionate about as well is I'm a board director for women in corporate aviation. So like we've all touched upon, being able to find your people and have a community in the industry is extremely important to me. It was hard to find, especially, you know, 18 years ago and cultivating that and being purposeful In those aspects is one of the main reasons why I'm still in the industry. I was able to seek out and find my people very quickly and that's people across the spectrum. So I definitely make sure that I give back and doing that, like Tanya said. um, So women in corporate aviation is a way that I can continue to grow within my
0: career, but also make sure I'm helping support other professionals as well. Indeed. Building that peer community is so important. Eric, what steps are you taking as your own career evolves?
3: Tanya and Tracy both talked about growth, but you, you can't grow in soil that is not fertile. The hardest part about growth that we all understand on a very fundamental level is there is no growth without struggle. So the only way we're going to overcome any challenges in the industry is we struggle a little bit, right? And then we overcome that obstacle. And then we use those skills, traits, and talents or whatever we learn from that lesson to pass on to the next generation. But in so doing, we also reach out to the generation prior to make sure that we don't have to go through the mistakes that they made and, and learn something different. So both of them talked about mentorship and in this era of business aviation, it is imperative. If I want to see my next relief that I invest in outreach and in opportunities and in removing barriers and basically being an example, when you go window shopping, you don't go in the store unless they got something that you want to see. So if you get young people that are exposed to this career and then they see that people that look like them are doing this same job, I I think it will help attract and give us the next generation to mentor. Definitely. Tanya?
1: I want to touch on something that Tracy said. I'm a person that I'm a planner and I always begin with the end in mind. So I was kind of similar to like the young people that are coming into the industry, oh, I'm gonna fly for United, or I'm gonna fly here or do this or do that. But when you are exposed to business aviation and you understand that it is so dynamic and there's so many things that you can do, there are endless possibilities. I do not have the plan of what I'm going to do in business aviation. I want to stay concrete feet where I am uh, at the academy. I also want to continue my flight training. I do plan on, on ultimately getting other type ratings, but I want to continue with mentoring. That's the thing. Uh, if you don't see it, you cannot do it. When that crew asked me years ago, hey, you should think about being crew. I was like, well, what's crew? you could be a flight attendant and even then i had never seen a black flight attendant you know if we are not in the spaces where we want the youth to be they're not going to be there so i want to really beef up that mentorship component of what i'm doing i have been taking department of transportation certifications to help me with my safety manager component of what i do i try to go to as many conferences with NBAA, NATA, and other aviation organizations so that I can strengthen my tools and be able to just move better. But I ultimately don't have that final goal. I do want to continue with the mentorship and making myself a better professional.
0: That goes right into probably the biggest question in our discussion today, Tanya. What can all of us in business aviation do to help promote opportunities to other African-Americans and, for that matter, other populations that are still underrepresented in our industry? Where else can we be having these conversations?
1: There are the obvious go-tos, such as social media media different community centers, colleges, high schools, different trade shows. You, could, But I think that you need to even go further, go into the communities. Some churches have a robust uh, community outreach. There are a lot of different components. I think that there should be some advertisement there. Uh, I think that there are a lot of civil aviation organizations. Some of them are or GA, like a, a Tuskegee Airmen, or Black Pilots of America. But you also have uh, OBAP, Organization of Black Aerospace Professionals or Sisters of the Skies, where they deal with all aspects of aviation. I think that business aviation needs to do more moving into those spaces and advertising because a lot of people, they'll know, okay, I can go and join the military and I can go and fly. Or I can go work at an airline and I can fly. But they don't think about uh, being maybe a an aviation attorney. Uh, they don't think about being an architect that designs airport or they don't think about all of these other emerging technologies or cyber securities as it pertains to aviation. You need to go into all of these spaces so people can see the options that are there.
3: Eric, what do you think? I think that uh, you need to do a multiple prong approach to it. The very first thing that a corporate flight department can do that is a very easy lift for that department, uh, absent some time from pilots and and flight attendants and mechanics, is to start working on outreach events. Coca-Cola recently did a a partnership with the Georgia Civil Air Patrol, and we hosted, I think, around 50 students and parents at our hangar. We gave them a tour of our our DC-3, the very first aircraft Coca-Cola flew for its executive aviation and transport mission. We gave them a tour of the G600, and then we had a huge breakout session with dispatchers, pilots, and mechanics just to talk to them about, hey, this is how you can get into aviation. Because I know it's scary when you guys start looking at the flight per hour and the wet cost of a Cessna 172 and God forbid you want to do a multi-engine or IFR rating, right? The It just gets astronomical and, and people think that they can't overcome these barriers. But if you hear it straight from the horse's mouth, right? And that's something that the corporate flight department can do is do that outreach event. The problem is you probably won't see the fruit of your labor of the seeds that you sow for years down the line for years to come but as long as they understand that hey this is just an investment we we need to make it we have to make it in order for our survival and our future and then finally for corporate flight departments and flight schools to collaborate and work together to ensure that They are removing inherent biases that could be in the system, because the last thing we want to do is encourage a ton of minorities to say this is the aviation industry. You need to be in it. It is rife with opportunity. You know, you will not miss this opportunity. This is a good deal. And the soil that they come to is not fertile for their growth
2: so glad you brought in the inclusion aspect. That is what I'm passionate about. I give a lot of my time outside of you know, my day-to-day and my corporate job and the academia around inclusion. And it's not just because it's a moral thing. It's scientifically proven. It's data-driven that the more inclusion, the more ideas, the different backgrounds, the better performing and high performing your teams are going to be, right? So what does that look like? It looks like a psychologically safe environment for everybody that works on your team, no matter if they're in the headquarters, they're in the uh, hangar, or they're on the flight deck. So I think that's extremely important. I am a vice co-chair for NBAA's Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Working Group, with uh, Jennifer Pickerel and Kenneth Morris. And we are extremely passionate about continuing to put out education in the industry currently to make sure corporations are up to speed, especially uh, with the new generation and expectations of the workforce to make our workplaces, more inclusive, and again, psychologically safe. So people of all different backgrounds can be part of the team and high performing. So I think that's extremely important. I think MBA is doing a great job leading that. I think there does absolutely need to be more, it is going to take individual corporations investing in their long-term goals and investing back into the community. Over the last couple of years, especially since COVID and the heightened awareness on social justice reforms, I've seen quite a few business aviation companies really step in and invest long-term, either in intern externships and scholarships to do more. At times, it does seem like the pipeline is far away because we are talking about the new generation. But there are thousands of people in our industry right now that need that support as well. So being able to invest in the current pipeline that can provide immediate returns is extremely important.
0: Tracy, you mentioned working with women in corporate aviation, and I understand you also speak regularly with students about aviation careers.
2: As Tanya so astutely mentioned, the next generation absolutely does not know about business aviation. I'm on the advisory board for Texas Southern University. It's a historically black college and university in Houston, and they have a flight program. And they have made leaps and bounds improvements. But I wouldn't. To the class to speak about business aviation out of the 92 people one person knew what business aviation was one so those those are horrible horrible stats so i'm i'm making sure at the local level that i can give one-on-one time as well and just be a conduit of knowledge and information and a connector to business aviation and to the mba group And then lastly, what we've seen with the FAA over the last year, I have been extremely pleased with. I mean, they just held a HBCU FAA day specifically for uh, historically Black colleges and universities. I believe there's 11 different flight programs currently for HBCU colleges. So I am very encouraged to just acknowledge and Provide access to business aviation. And I think more of us that have a little bit of time getting in step with our political and local groups to advertise that and put a different face and a different conversation around business aviation, supporting people that are currently in the industry, making sure everyone, not just flying professionals, can can continue to stay, giving back, and then also the political aspect where we can use our voice um, and provide a little bit more leadership in some of those rooms that we're in.
0: Definitely. So we've looked at this from the industry side and other perspectives to bring more people from diverse backgrounds into the industry. Tanya, what advice would you give to those who might feel they're on the outside looking in on these potential opportunities?
1: First of all, I would say go for it. And secondly, I would say block out the naysayers, because normally when you speak to someone that is unfamiliar with a goal that you have, they think that it's impossible because they can't even think that big. So once your cousin or your sister or whoever says, well, you want to run an aviation arm of a of a company, you know, forget about it. You need to block that out. Also, you need to network as much as you possibly can and volunteering. I have learned so much and been able to help other people and it actually helped me more when I volunteered. I I volunteered with several different organizations and I would say, be present, be prepared. Eric said that he had an eight year Track and it took a little bit longer than that, but look at where he is now. This is the long game aviation. No matter which avenue you decide to take, you need to be invested, be present, and just be ready to roll up your sleeves and work. A lot of people may or may not know about the Tuskegee Airmen and their contribution to this country with their World War II efforts. A lot of people don't know that the very first winners of the real life Top Gun contest were Tuskegee Airmen. There was a pilot shortage back in World War II and the country was faced with little choices so they eventually went and selected the Tuskegee Airmen. We are in a pilot shortage right now and a pilot shortage means a shortage in all other talents. I feel like the country should take a look and think about the airmen and how the airmen literally helped save this country. A lot of African-American people could help to, to move the aviation industry forward if they just had a chance.
0: Indeed. Tracy, what advice do you have? The first thing I would do
2: is ask for advice. I think that is, that's the best. Ask how you can help ask for advice specifically and stick to your word, right? We are only as good as our word. So if you're going to do something, do it. If something takes two minutes, take the two minutes to do it. I think that's huge, especially when you're starting anywhere new. But Outside of asking for advice, once you get to a place where you can decipher what you need, you need to ask for what you need. Being able to do that early on in any new career, any new job is extremely important because it allows you to vocalize. And um, there's some internal work that goes on there, right, that you've actually put some time into what you need, whether it's the project, whether it's um, how to move forward, how to grow, but being able to vocalize and do that across the spectrum in your organization is extremely important. Being able to ask for advice when you need it, ask for help, And then uh, ask for what you need is huge. Um, To be able to do that, though, some people don't naturally have that skill, right? Or some of us need to sharpen that skill. I would say by leaps and bounds, the best thing I ever did my entire career, and I say this all the time, was joining Toastmasters. And it is a cheap way for you to get a lot of growth for you to practice speaking publicly for you to go through just a corporate program that's less than a hundred dollars a year investing in yourself will pay dividends, it's invaluable. Your organization is only there to give you a baseline, right? They're going to teach you how to do your job. They're not gonna teach you how to be good at it. Those are things that you're gonna have to work on yourself. And the second thing I always ask people is what book are you reading? I think it's extremely important to always continue to invest in yourself and our industry is ever changing and we need to be adaptable and agile. I think it's important to be purposeful in it. Whenever you start to see some of that investment paying off, like your hard work and your studies, when you get into the workforce, it's then time to double down and invest on yourself some more. Great
3: advice. Eric? I've never met someone that touched the controls of an airplane and did not always look at the sky in awe and inspiration afterwards. I would encourage people because if if you are truly going after the next generation, we need to sit and think about it in the terms that that's what we need to be doing with ourselves. So I need to constantly be working on being a better option for the company to be able to be a better tool for them to use in the execution of their business. But at the same time, the company has a responsibility to me to constantly be my best option. So I am not going out to the majors or worried about my pay or worried about my quality of life. Those are the things that they need to do. So I look at them and say, yes, business aviation remains my best option. So I think if we can all realize we're only as faithful as our best option and continue to work on being the best thing possible, the best version of ourselves, we'll all get there eventually.
0: Be sure to follow NBAA online and on social media as the association continues to mark Black History Month throughout February. And to learn more about the association's efforts supporting diversity, equity, and inclusion throughout business aviation, visit nbaa.org forward slash diversity. And that's the latest from the National Business Aviation Association. Remember, you can subscribe to all Flight Plan episodes at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts, including by asking your virtual assistant or connected device. Of course, you can also download Flight Plan directly from nbaa.org. I'm Rob Finfrock. Thanks for listening, and be sure to join us next time for a new episode of Flight Plan.